My guest today is Laurent Barbezieux. Laurent is the co-founder of Axio. Axio is a company based out of Paris, France, that delivers carbon accounting software and services to medium-sized companies in France and in Europe. Carbon accounting software has been a very hot area of VC investment in the climate tech space this year, and we dive into this today. We meet with Laurent to discuss the drivers of adoption of such solutions, the complexity of bringing internal data into one place such that an organization can reasonably assess how much their carbon footprint is and where it comes from, and the initiatives to reduce emissions that can then be identified and implemented. We will learn how Axio helps them with that and get Lauren's take on why there can be so many companies in this space without directly competing with each other. A former strategy consultant with a passion for tackling climate change, Laurent started Axio during the pandemic in March 2020, along with his co-founders. Axio managed to reach a scale of about 30 employees without much external funding, only raising a small undisclosed seed round. I hope you enjoy my discussion with Laurent. Hello and welcome everyone. I'm Nathan Pomart and this is Loose, the Climate Tech Podcast. Every week we interview a founder and explore the stories, ideas, innovations and businesses behind some of the most inspiring climate tech companies that have a tangible positive impact on our planet. This show is designed to help you learn, instigate optimism and inspire further action towards addressing the climate change challenge that we face as a global community. If you are an entrepreneur, business leader or investor interested in learning more about the climate tech space and how you can play a part in it, this show is for you. I'm very excited for this conversation. For a climate tech podcast, it was inevitable that we would end up talking about carbon accounting, which has been one of the hot spaces in the climate tech world this year. Um, looking forward to diving into it. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Nathan. Happy to be here. Amazing. So let's start um, by hearing your story. Uh, you you come, I think, from the. I mean, you will tell us, but you you come from the world of um, sustainability consultants. Is that the right way to put it? And then you decided to start Axio. So help us understand what was your journey to to starting uh, Axio. Yeah. So um, if I want to trace the the history of Axio and why I started this company. Uh, I discovered the topic of climate change, let's say, in 2005. So that's actually 17 years ago. Uh, while I was still a student, uh, there was like a conference about the, the topic from a guy, uh, our fellow French uh, friends will know him. Uh, he's a guy called uh, Jean Covici, and he was not known at all back then. Now he's kind of famous in France, at least. Yes, and, very famous. Amazing. Yeah, so, Yes, <laughs> and uh, and I said, okay, this seems to be like uh, like the most important challenge for the century to come. So obviously, uh, grown up will take take care of it. Well, ten years later, obviously we are not at all on track regarding climate change. Uh, yes. So I did a business school, then worked as a strategy consultant on different topics in energy, telecom, due diligence for uh, investment funds. So a rather typical corporate career when you when you start. Uh, interested in infrastructure, technology, and energy. So I tried to focus, specialize on that. 
but that was not just sustainability, it was uh, more the regular corporate world. And I, well, there was like this uh, cognitive dissonance growing in me for years where I realized that most of the time I was working on topics that were not aligned with this uh, urging issue, let's say, till the point around 2018, 19, where I say, okay, uh, I have to do something on that. Either I move to a company de dedicated to that, or I started my own company. I could not really find startup uh, early stage companies uh, on the topics I wanted to work on at this point in, ta in, in time. Now I think that if I were me uh, today, five years ago, there would be plenty of startups, but in 2019 that was not so much the case. And I did not trust large corporates to because they are like they have a set of constraints uh, that make make it super hard for incumbents to really tackle climate change. Come back to that. So I say, okay, yeah. uh, we got to work on this. Uh, we need to reduce emissions, but we don't even manage to measure them. So we need to get tools to do that. So we need to have a SaaS B2B platform to measure carbon. So that's how I resigned from my company, spent two months at Le Wagon, which is a bootcamp, uh, coding bootcamp. Yes. And there I met my co-founders who worked previously on carbon accounting. Uh, so that's how we basically started the company. So that's the whole story. So you're, you're, you're saying, uh, I did not know which company to work for, so I started my own. And, and now, if I had to do it now, I would, I would join my own company. So it's um, yeah kind of well yeah. it's it's well done i want to ask you about the 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 consulting firms that help large companies um and medium-sized companies as well with their you know i guess carbon accounting and 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 maybe carbon reduction process what's your view on the type of work of the portion of the work that they do that potentially is productizable maybe can be replaced by by what companies like yours do and uh, and the portion that is more really meant to be uh, human service type of work. Well, that's uh, actually the core of the, um, the issue uh, in our market. The way I would phrase it is that basically to make decarbonization work uh, in the corporate world, you would need tools, you would need expertise and governance and people uh, to make the job. Uh, so we can help on the tooling part with a SaaS platform that can automate part of the activities like data collection, some part of the analysis. Still, at one point in time, it's not like you don't just press a button and have algorithm and get uh, net zero strategy because they well you cannot train an AI on something that does not exist at scale for now because you well, don't have a model for a typical net zero strategy because we are inventing them today. So you need human expertise. Uh, and then you need people inside the company to uh, actually do the job. Um, and here, this last point in terms of governance, processes, uh, getting people to work on the topic, it's very much a consulting job to have like a transformation program with a PMO, with uh, different work streams, etc. So that's not very different, this part, from traditional consulting. So that's why we see like companies like BCGs or McKinsey, etc., putting more green in their traditional strategy and transformation projects. The expertise part, uh, well, that's, let's say, one part of uh, very, can be a very deep expertise. Uh, that's why BCG acquired Quantis, for instance, to acquire expertise in biodiversity, etc. But it's like not different in terms of uh, type of expertise as expertise in purchasing or 
supply chain or digital transformation. It's just a new, let's say, functional expertise, which is sustainability. And then you have uh, the tool, the SaaS part, uh, which is a software play and not a consulting play. And that's where, obviously, you have companies uh, being uh, created like ours. What is the driver today of companies doing carbon assessments? Is it purely regulatory driven or do you observe also voluntary sort of going beyond what the regulation is forcing companies to do um, in terms of what's driving the adoption? Actually, regulation is like the last reason uh, for companies to work on carbon accounting. It's the primary driver uh, that we see, especially on mid-market, is you know your clients will ask you information on your carbon footprint because your client is a large company and they already have the regulation. When you're a small company, you might not already be under regulation. Then you have like this. So it can be like now in RFPs, you have 5% of your grade on carbon footprint. So it's mm -hmm. actually real mm -hmm. money, which is at stake. Then you have some other elements like private, private equity firms and venture capital funds asking their in, in portfolio companies information on the carbon footprint because the, the investors, they want to be sure that in five years time when they want to sell the company, it's on the right side of the transition. Otherwise, you just have a stranded asset that nobody wants to buy. Then you have more internal like HR, retention and corporate culture uh, elements that are also important. And in this picture, regulation is like the least important topic. With a few caveats, you have a few sectors like in automotive, uh, heavy industry, where you actually have very stringent regulations. Uh, with actual tax on carbon, but the average company, which is not under a uh, heavily regulated company, uh, they are not doing this type of work for regulation purposes. And um, within the companies that you target, okay, what is your organizational setup in terms of, you know, within this organization, who is your, your primary customer? Is it the CEO? Is it the head of sustainability? How, how does that... How does that work? Yeah, so basically we're working for companies, well, the typical customer is, is a few hundreds to a few thousand employees across different sites. Can be much bigger, can be smaller also. So within this organization, it's the, like the CSR, ESG, Sustainable Development Department, which is like a, a rather light, functional uh, team uh, that is in charge of the topic. So that's our key customer. In industrial companies, there's like the environmental safety, quality function, which is already in charge of these topics. And they have more engineering background compared to the CSR people who come sometimes from marketing or HR. It's not exactly the same type of skills, uh, depending on the industries and the people you're, you're working with. And sometimes you don't have yet the organization, so it can be taken by marketing finance directly the manager top management if it's in a smaller company which is a very much uh, um, impact driven and so let's say you have you know a, a company going through this journey of of trying to improve their their carbon accounting stack let's say when they come to you or when you start the discussion with them what do you perceive as their their pain points in terms of how do they do it today and what's What's complicated about it? Maybe you have two cases. It depends where the, where companies are in their climate journey. First case, you haven't done anything yet, so you don't. Have, you might not have a CSR strategy. 
you haven't done any carbon assessment yet, you don't have a decarbonization plan. So the, well, the first pain point is, okay, what the hell? There are so many steps to do. Where do I start? Shall I start with carbon assessment or CSR policy? And we say, well, you have to do both in any case. So you, you pick, there's no good or bad decision. You will have to do both, just do one, then the other. Uh, so that's typically the, the problem for companies. Discovering the topic, you have a lot of things to do. So you have to set up your organization, understand what do you need, do I need to aim for B Corp, B Corp or whatever. So that's the first, first, first issue, I would say. Then you have companies who have already done their carbon footprint assessment. And here, the, there are like two challenges. The first one is how do I get more productivity on the data collection? And uh, how do I improve the accuracy of the carbon measurement? That's where a tool can help. And then how do I go beyond just measuring, but actually having things moving on in the company and imp- uh, having just not just five slides on the actions, but actual investments and decarbonization actions taking place. So those are the two issues you have when you have already done at least one first assessment. And zooming in on the on the data stack and the and the complexity there, um, one one of the buzzword of the of the space is this notion of scope one, two, and three uh, emissions. Perhaps let's start with you know taking your perspective on. Is that the way you think about how you help companies measure their their footprint? Are you able to kind of help them measure those three categories, including the scope three, which is for for those less familiar with it, the the, the emissions uh, coming from either upstream or downstream, right? You can tell me if, if you have the same understanding. So do you help them with all of that? And is that the way you frame it? Well, the scope one, two, and three might be something not super helpful for companies to grasp the topic. It's a very scientific definition of uh, are the gas coming out of pipes that I own or that I, uh, or is it energy uh, and the greenhouse gas are somewhere else, so that's scope two, or is it something else, which is scope three. But actually when you're saying, okay, transportation, it can be scope one, two, or three. One, yeah. if you have uh, petrol. Two, if it's an electric car. Or three, if you're taking a plane. So the way we try to organize uh, these different types of emissions is uh, more following the functions of the, the function of the company. So buildings. So you have the guy in charge of facility management. He has access to the data. That's his yes. job to manage it. Then you have transportation and logistics. You have someone in charge of that. You have purchasing. You have waste management. You have product design. We think it makes more sense for companies to match emissions to their organization and the people who will be able to collect the data and then do the job of reduction than sticking to scope one, two, and three, which is more of a scientific approach. So that's how we present it in our SaaS and how we work with our client. We were talking about this before um, starting the episode about the fact that it's it's partly a, a data sort of connectivity exercise, but it's also still a lot today um, human data gathering and navigating an organization to find where the data is sitting so can can you tell us about this and and the reality you are facing when it comes to helping customers gather all the data that they need to to produce an assessment how do you address this do you do you actually have a, a part of your business that is consulting like where you hold their hand to be able to teach them where to go and and understand their own organization to, to find everything? Or 
uh, or do you focus on the software itself? Yeah. I'm curious to hear your, your take on this. Uh, actually, we're doing both the SaaS and the service. Our mission is that the, our clients don't need the service the next years because once you, it's not rocket science, it's identifying data and multiplying it by an emission factor. And then you yes. do the sum. So it's a sum product on an Excel file, in a sense. Just the data is scattered across the organization on so many uh, PDF and Excel and extracts that you can get lost quite easily because you don't know exactly the level of detail of the data that you need and the emission factor that you can put in front of each data. So that's where the um, difficulty can, uh, that's why you might have some difficulties uh, when you do it for the first time and you're discovering everything. So the, w the way we handle that is uh, you need to empower more the um, different stakeholders in the company. So we have like, in any case, whether it's just the SaaS or consulting, you have two hours of kickoff, not just with the guy in charge of CSR, but also the counterparts in logistics, facility management, HR, uh, purchasing, so that it's not just a one person job to save the, to save the planet, but it's actually the mission of everybody to this, uh, to this project. Uh, so that's uh, really more um, an organization and governance tweak than a technological tweak. If we go down the road and in five to 10 years, there will be APIs, uh, people will be accustomed to it and it will be much faster. Still, if you compare to, let's say, finance, uh, we've been doing finance for like 500 years, you still have accountants, you still have finance department, you still have people checking bills, you still have, it's still very um, human uh, labor intensive, in spite of being like uh, something that has been done for hundreds of, centuries, uh, hundreds of years. So carbon accounting, maybe we will leapfrog, leapfrog a bit and have more automation because we start with a blank state and we can put more technology from the start, still there will be human work involved. And it would be better if it's uh, embedded in the organization of our client rather than a mandate paid by the company because they need this budget already to do the decarbonization actions instead of just being consultants. And so what, what is the, if I could call it this way, the, the black box, what is happening within the Axio black box or maybe maybe it's not a, a black box but um you have those different stakeholders feeding data what do you do with it and what do you give back to to the client as as sort of the output or the, the thing that they can consume yeah so basically uh, when you're uh, as a user you're connecting on the platform you have like a interface okay i'm uh, consuming, well, uh, energy, uh, is it a gas? Yes, which type of gas? This one, which you need, uh, I don't know, kilowatt hour. You add the amount and then when you add the data, it automatically makes the calculation because when you input the data, it's detailed enough so that we know what's the carbon equivalent, what we call an emission factor. So it means that there is a actually more discussion before inputting the data to be sure that it's at the right level to be able to have a carbon equivalent. So, and then the calculation is really transparent. It's just a multiplication between a few elements. And that's something super important that, it's, that this calculation can be export, exported in Excel. It's fully transparent because you need to be able to compare your methodology to your, the other company in, in your sector because people have to align because uh, you don't want to have different numbers for just uh, methodological uh, topics. That's not the way to go. So the, we try as much as possible not to have a black box. And uh, the SaaS platform is here 
to ensure that you have this workflow of identifying who should be in charge, which data is provided, by who, uh, how precise is it, uh, do we need to get more into to get into more details. So that's the value of the software. And it's in just one place. It's not like scattered across a lot of uh, Excel files. So that's the way it works. It's not magic. It's just something that's why you need to find the right level between service and support and uh, talking to customers and uh, streamlining, uh, having processes and something on the SaaS. And you have the more clients are used to the topic, the more it can be on the SaaS. But at the beginning, you need a human touch. Otherwise, it doesn't work. Maybe that's where you were going with that's just the first part. What is the nature of the conversation that you observe when your clients have been able to do all this and, and then they have this view of this estimation of where where does our emission footprint uh, come comes from? Do you observe then a discussion about how do we improve this? Or, uh, or is that, okay, we've now ticked the box. Let's go back to business as usual. We obviously have a selection bias in our clients, I would say. If they work for us, they also work for us because they know that we never do just the measurement, but we always prepare the action plan to do, well, to define reduction actions. And that's actually the second part, uh, identifying. So that's where SaaS can also provide something compared to a consulting company. We uh, productize a bit this part because we each time we encounter a new sector, a new topic, a new challenge to decarbonize, we add to our database, which has over 200 actions and, well, many more, but we don't put all of them on our platform. You don't start from a blank state. You already have a list of ideas um, with uh, concrete actions to reduce your emissions on all topics, IT, uh, logistics, uh, commuting, etc. And that's, that's actually what makes the product sticky because once you've calculated the, the carbon footprint, you can then define very great, at a very uh, fine level concrete reduction actions and the, with people in charge, because you invited several users in the data collection, the guy who provided the data is also the one who will be working on the action on the reduction action, because that's more interesting to do that than just scattering, gathering data and doing calculation. Yeah. And then the year after, you want to see how you evolved. And well, the, there's a whole topic on carbon trajectories where uh, it's like uh, it's dead for 1.5 uh, degrees. Uh, there's no way we can uh, do that. Uh, we can reach that. But yeah. every tenth of degrees is worth uh, fighting for. And there are a lot of innovation, a lot of new business model, models, a lot of uh, ways to be much more um, efficient in the way we are using energy. Uh, and this is something that is like bringing a lot of energy into companies. If you stop at the measurement, everybody is depressed. If you then move to the action plan, then everybody is, okay, let's go and uh, work on that. What would be some examples of, of initiatives that you would uh, recommend from, your, from, the, from Axio? Um, well, the, there's still this organization part, which is first get people in charge of collecting the data and uh, defending the actions across your sites slash, slash countries and organizations. So you have a matrix with uh, carbon champions or ambassadors or whatever in charge of uh, making this carbon strategy uh, go live in the company. It's not just like a CSR department uh, next to the, in the headquarter, but it should be much more a network of people working on the topic. 
So that's the, the prerequisite to have it work. And then we have like some clients uh, that, are, that want to put a carbon budget on business travels for the, for the teams with a quarterly reporting. So that as a manager of the team, well, you have to find ways to reduce your emissions. You take less mm -hmm. plane. Uh, so either junior people take a plane at the beginning during the onboarding to see the team in India or only the bus, but not both. And you have to find ways because everybody will follow the rules uh, to reduce the emissions uh, related to business travel. For instance, and that's an initiative from a client, uh, which is quite pushy, actually. There have been you know, many fundraising announcements in the, in the carbon accounting or carbon assessment space. I think we can count in probably 10 or more companies in, in that space. Just to name a few, you know, Sweep, Plan A, Sinai, Normative, uh, and so on. So at the same time, it's a huge space. How do you think about the key vectors of, of differentiation that make basically uh, that make it such that those players don't necessarily all compete with each other? Yeah, um, the, the first point here is we are like in a blue ocean, like you have 0.05% of companies who are really measuring their scope one, two and three emission with an actionable carbon strategy. Really, we are very early, unfortunately, I would say, uh, on this market. Should have been 30 years ago. The way we frame it is, uh, it's not the same type of product and service depending on the size of the company, like classical uh, Soho, SMB, uh, corporate. Yeah. Then you have a different. You can be rather verticalized or have a broad offering, just like you can have CRM uh, like uh, Salesforce, which is for all companies. But then you have a yeah. Viva, which is just for healthcare. And both exist. So, well, bo yep. both strategies can work. And then you can decide to be specialized on carbon or decide to cover other uh, type of um, um, impacts uh, like biodiversity, etc. And then you have to make a decision whether you're just on the reporting side, which, is, which will be much more and more uh, demanding with CSRD and a lot of regulations, or you want to have measurement and uh, the implementation of the actions, and then you, you can go till, uh, to uh, um, like a project management tools like Trello and Notion. You could, you could have a Trello and a Notion of carbon management. It could be a product in itself. Um, and you have a question whether you're very much tech-focused or whether you have more service in your business. Uh, and the last way to segment the market is whether you're just at the corporate level or you try to have both product level uh, footprint and the company level. So you have this multi-dimensional space. There's yeah. just not one strategy working. Just uh, actually, for instance, we are just carbon. We are uh, mid-sized companies uh, across different sectors, but more the carbon uh, intensive ones in Europe. And we are um, measurement plus action and strategy uh, with a consulting business on top of uh, when it's uh, when it's relevant. Uh, so that's already quite a lot. But that's we already refuse to we refuse to do a lot of things. Not no product level, no other impact, uh, no automation uh, as a first way to go in the market, etc. etc. So that's that's the way the market is moving, and uh, we see that the position of the players is progressively getting clearer and clearer in terms of the side of the companies, the sectors, etc. That's uh, going super fast, but still a lot, to, lot of room to grow, actually. 
What, one thing that you, you mentioned now that you focus, or at least um, at the margin, you focus more on carbon intensive players, linking that back to the recommended actions. Uh, you mentioned business travel. Curious if you also recommend you know, maybe more kind of industrial level or, or production process level carbon reduction initiatives, such as, I don't know, you should switch from this type of material to this type of less carbon intensive material. Do, do you go into that as well when it comes to making recommendations? Yeah, for, I, I don't know. For instance, um, we have a, a client in um, fleet management, so they, they own yeah. cars that they rent to people that are then putting themselves on Uber. Uh, so here, the the key question is at which pace you switch to full electric cars. Uh, so, yeah. well, you need the first good baseline. And then we did the different uh, scenarios following the Saint West Target Initiative, which is an international framework to define the strategy. Uh, and so we had, like, we looked at different uh, speed and uh, looked at how, how much would it represent in terms of numbers of cars to switch to electric, to full electric. Uh, and here you're just uh, changing the core business of your company. Uh, another example on like warehouses, you have a lot of topics on insulation, having um, uh, ventilators, uh, ensuring that you mix the, the air between the bottom and the top of the warehouse so that you yeah. don't overheat because heat goes uh, on the top. So we actually have a network of partners to implement the actions because we are not the ones uh, doing insulation and putting photovoltaic uh, panels uh, on the on the roofs, but we do connect our clients do to these players on very specific topic to uh, uh, use um, heat from industrial processes, uh, insulate, uh, put renewable energies, etc. So we are doing so those actions have much more impact because your client has much more energy inside the company actually. I want to talk about um, the way you engage with, with customers without asking you to disclose your, your secrets. Um, curious to hear what approaches are effective when it comes to you know, getting new customers and then, or rather prospects and then converting them into, into customers. What, what channels, what strategies, what, what messages? It would be good to hear a bit what you are learning from, from trying to do this every day. Yeah, uh, so we we started on with more outbound email outreach. Uh, so you have two ways to start, uh, either inbound and marketing or just sales and, uh, in, and outbound. So we started with outbound because we wanted to ensure that there is a need for not just carbon footprints, which has been around for a decade or two, but for more autonomy and SaaS platform to do it, which is a different thing. You could say, I don't care about the SaaS, I just do job to be done. Uh, I need a consultant or I just do it myself. Uh, so we did cold outreach uh, with this approach, just uh, targeting CSR managers because those will be the users of our platform. So that's how we started the company. Now we are adding more marketing webinars, etc. Uh, always on carbon and trying to focus more on the actions than just the regulation and, uh, and the reporting details, because that's not doing a carbon footprint to measure. You're doing, you do it to have a baseline to know where to work for the reduction. So you should not, yeah. well, yeah. It's, so that, that's what we try to have in our marketing messages so that we reach clients which are interested 
in our approach, which is uh, ensuring that uh, you have a SaaS not just for measurement but also for the actions, and you have and you have more engaged customers. So that's why I talked about this selection bias in our customer base. Um, yeah. And then there's a few uh, indirect channels that we are uh, trying, uh, well, uh, scaling now. Uh, one is what well, traditional consulting company. We can just sell the SaaS and they do uh, the the consulting work. So that we have done with. Uh, a dozen uh, consulting company already, and this works well. Since we are former consultants, we know how to work with them. And we have also yeah. um, investment funds, which, well, as I said, they want to be sure that the companies they invest with, uh, they invest in, are on the right side of the transition, so they can promote us because they they're looking for an efficient way for their portfolio companies to measure their emission. So we go through the private equity funds. When it comes to the to the team. Um, you, I mean, I observed that you've you've grown to roughly 25, 30 employees um, without without any external funding, at least not not disclosed. Um, what what has been the the profile of skills that you have needed so far, and what type of roles are you hiring for? On the funding part, we just did a small seed, but we did not communicate on that. But but we did have a. We were not like a pre-revenue funding company, so we started to have revenue uh, early, uh, just to yeah. clarify on that, because we, there's already a demand for this type of service. And the way yeah. to serve that is we hired, uh, let's say, a bit less than half of our staff is actually carbon experts that um, okay. deploy the solution uh, in our clients uh, so that they are, let's say, autonomous the, ne the next year. We spend two to five times less uh, support um, the, for the second carbon footprint than the first one. So we see that you have a huge productivity uh, improve, improvement uh, from the first to the second carbon footprint. And yeah. then the second half of the company is uh, half developers and half sales. So that's a typical structure, a bit, a bit more skewed towards customer success and expertise uh, compared to other SaaS B2B companies. But that's because the topic is rather new and there's no silver lightning in terms of uh, integration and API to do the job. You still need to talk to people to get to the right data if you want to do a decent work. Very clear. What, what are the, um, the key next steps, the key milestones that you are excited to work towards as a company? As we approach the end of this, you know, at the end of this show, I'd love to close it on that. We are uh, well growing fast in terms of number of clients, demand, a lot of renewals. So now the challenge for us is to have an operating model that doesn't break under the workload, uh, both on the sales, the dev, and the, uh, and the customer success. So that's uh, we don't good want problem. to have a really, good problem. Yeah, to yeah, have. Good, good for them, but yeah, maybe there are like three topics. Uh, let's say on sales. Uh, or see three perspectives on sales, dev, and uh, customer success. On sales and marketing, it's uh, scaling more through indirect partners and distribution channels through consulting companies. So that's the, the strategic priority for the next uh, next few years. Because we know we can do it directly, but if we want to, to scale faster, uh, that's the best, the most relevant for us, given our uh, the way we work and our background. Uh, then in terms of tech, it's a mix of, uh, well, ever improving, obviously, the, the platform, especially on the having better workflows to ensure that in any case you track better the data uh, till the point where our clients are mature enough to have direct API integration. 
so that's not that far away. But in SMB companies, APIs might not be the magic it's one. It's not that, next year. Uh, that yes. helps. Yeah. yeah, it's not next year because yeah. they don't have the, the IT systems on that side in, in any case. Yeah. And yeah. on customer success, the challenge is uh, for the next years is to have like not just us, but our clients uh, being super expert on carbon. Uh, because we need our clients to be uh, maybe not as expert as us, but at least in their company on what is a carbon footprint for their company, we need our clients to be as good as us so that they can be more autonomous. Uh, and this means what is the best way to scale that? How do you productize uh, all your IP uh, and share it to your clients so that they are trained? So we are doing partnerships with uh, training schools, etc., to find the best way to scale also this training of the customer. Laurent, thank you so much. It's super, super exciting. I have to say, I, I came into this with a, with scratching my head about, you know, how much do I, do I believe that carbon accounting software sort of trigger change? And, uh, I come now out of, out of this discussion, a bit more optimistic, a bit more positive that. You know, it's it's the building block that then enables actions that you know can contribute to reducing energy consumption and and uh, footprint intensity. So it was amazing having you on the show. I hope that we can have you back in some time when we can discuss the new learnings and a bigger company. Well, thanks a lot. And uh, indeed, we in an ideal world we would not need carbon footprint because we would already know what to do in the critical path to reduce emission. Unfortunately and realistically, you still need to measure to know what happens. And uh, people like to know the progress they do. So we will need to count carbon for for a few decades. Thank you, Laurent. Thank you, Nathan. You can find out more about Axio on their website, axio.cc. If you are inspired by their mission, check out their career page for their job openings. If you enjoyed this episode, follow us on your favorite podcast app and stay tuned for more insightful conversations with other inspiring climate tech founders.